People should feel the same feelings when they think about church that they feel when they think about home. There should be something about being here in this body of believers with who Jesus has united us with that we think about home, we think about church also and vice versa. So that was our challenge last week. If if we're not feeling those feelings about home when we're engaged with the church, we might need to change how we're doing something and how we're engaging with it. And uh, this week as I was thinking about feeling at home and the things that we need, uh, yesterday uh, I got to go watch Silas run. Out in the rain and, and the mud and all the goop that was happening. And I was driving there. I took Jackson with me. And we were driving to go see Silas run. And we were on these back roads. And I'm like, Jack, I feel like we're in the middle of nowhere. And sure enough, we were. I, I literally drove past this sign. I'm like, Jackson, i got to stop and take a picture of that. There's, if you can't see it on the picture, there's a street sign that says, Middle of Nowhere Road. So... I was literally in the middle of nowhere, and I thought, man, I am not anywhere close to my home. There's nothing familiar. It's strange. And I thought, how many people go through life feeling like they're in the middle of nowhere? Even when they're at their house, they have an address, they have a job they go to every day, and they still go through life feeling like I'm in the middle of nowhere. And that is part of our call as the people of God is to tell them there's a place where you can feel at home where you don't have to feel like you're in the wilderness, you don't have to feel like you're in the middle of nowhere, you can come home and be with him. Uh, so that, that really struck me yesterday when I saw that sign. So that really is a real place. I drove by it. It's somewhere near the West Virginia line on the way to Bethany College, past Avella High School. I don't even know where we were exactly, but I was in the middle of nowhere. So that's where we were. And last week, uh, we also looked at a couple sayings. We said there's no place like home. Home's where the heart is. And I saw this saying this week that I thought maybe is more relevant to this generation. It says, home is where your Wi-Fi connects automatically. Yeah, that, that's more relevant to what's going on right now. So uh, home is some place where we're familiar with. That, that's the bottom line. It, we are comfortable there. We have peace there. We're, we're comfortable in our surroundings. And uh, where does this longing for home come from? I think it comes because we are made in the image of God. And, and although in, in Scripture it says even the highest heavens can't contain him, uh, although it says that about God, did you know that even God has a home? There, there is a place that God calls home. And so I think because he has a home, that, that's in us also because we're created in his image. There's a longing to be at home and to be somewhere that, that we call home. And in the Old Testament, there is a scripture that you're probably familiar with. Uh, King David famously described God's home like this in Psalm 84. He said, what a beautiful home, God of the angel armies. Uh, if you're more familiar with that verse, you may have a translation that says, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord God Almighty. Have, how many of you have a translation that says something like that or you're familiar with it? It's, how lovely is your dwelling place? God, I love your home. And it goes on and it says, I've always longed to live in a place like this. Always dreamed of a room in your house where I could sing for joy to God alive. How blessed are they to live and sing there. And how blessed are those in whom you live whose lives become roads you travel. I, I just, I, I love that thought in that verse that they put in there. That How lovely is your house and how great are the lives of the people that you live with God. And uh, in David's time, obviously, God's presence was in a single location. There, there was a box, if you saw the Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know what the Ark of the Covenant looks like. Uh, they actually had this box where God had promised my presence will always tangibly remain there. And in David's time, uh, the, the presence of God was still ho- housed in a tent. How many of you have ever heard the word tabernacle? 
That's not a word you hear outside. How many, I'll ask that. How many of you have ever heard the word tabernacle outside of church? Yeah, no hands in the whole room. Talk, talk about churchy language that we forget sometimes. Uh, the word tabernacle was simply what they referred to. It was the tent where they kept the Ark of the Covenant and God's presence was there. So that was their temple, their version of it. Before it had, before it had permanent walls, that was where they went to worship God. And he would come down in a cloud and they would offer sacrifices there. And David was thinking about that. God at that isn't it amazing God at that time didn't have a permanent address? He was living in a tent, and he, he was able to move from place to place. But David had that picture in his mind, and what was amazing for David is he recognized that the location wasn't what made it God's house. It was God's presence that abided there. And that feeling that David had when he went there and experienced the presence of God and the overwhelming things that happened when, when we're with him, God recognized David coming to him, and David said, man, this is home. I, I feel welcome here, and I love your house so much, Lord. There's, there's all kinds of thoughts in Psalms that, you know, David says, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in your house, God, than live a thousand years away. I'd rather just open the door for people one day in God's house where his presence is, just to be that close to your home, God. And so David said that about the Old Testament version of where God's presence is. It was, his, it was God's presence that made David long to be there. And even under the Old Covenant, I think David had a taste of what God really wanted to do as far as building a home. Because God had this, in the middle of the law, in the middle of the old covenant, God had carved out this relationship with David where David knew God's spirit. So, so much so that even under the law there, David, when he sinned, he's, he's like, God, don't take your spirit away from me. Like this, this taste of what I've had, of where you want to really call home, don't take that from me. And so David, even under that Old Testament system, he was able to say, man, God, your house is awesome. The place where you dwell, your home is something that creates a longing in me to be at home with you. And then in the New Testament, God shifted addresses. How many of you have moved more than once in the last year? <laughs> Anybody? We, we went through a time in our lives where Hey, we, we were, had a, one house we were buying and it was being built and it wasn't done yet. So we did one of those things where you move your stuff into a temporary place and some of your stuff somewhere else. And then in six months again, you move somewhere else. It was not pleasant. God changed addresses just like we would move. We, we had to move this past year just in June. I, after swearing that I would never want to move again, I'm like, hey, we're planted. I don't want to pack my stuff up again. We did it one more time, and uh, we moved in June. And I'm thinking about all these things that, that happened with a change of address, and you're filling out the card at the post office, and you're getting the mail with the little yellow stickers on it. God changed addresses. When it went from the Old Testament to the New Testament, he actually changed the location of where he lives. Yeah, I, I hear some of you saying, hallelujah, amen, thank God. How many of you know that was a good deal for us? Uh, plane, tickets to, plane tickets to Jerusalem are pretty expensive. So if you had to go to that one address that God had, you'd be broke all the time. But God changed addresses and he actually took up residence in us. Man, what a treasure that is. And so in the New Testament, God's home is described like this in 1 John 4.15. It says, if anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. Isn't that a great promise? God's, God's permanent address is Steve and Corinne and Chris and Lillian. That's where God dwells now. If, if you want to know where does God live, you have to look no further than the people beside you that call on his name. 
He dwells each one of us. That tent that went everywhere in the wilderness, the tent that David put in Jerusalem, the, the temple that they ended up building, those had nothing on the glory and the splendor of where God lives now. What an amazing promise that he gave to us. So God, God moved, and it's interesting. It says not only is his home in us, but it says our home is in him. And that's actually the, the place that we long for. That's the home that we look for. Um, am I allowed to share the story that you told me last week, Mom? What, what you said after service? She's, she's like, uh, which one? I'll, I'll t- I've said several things. I'll t- if you get into it, and you, if I get into the story, you see my mom like going like that. Like, um, last week after service, I had mentioned last week that my dad passed away 10 years ago now. And... Uh, Mom came up to me after service, just this whole thing of, of being at home and there's no place like home. And she said, what, what really was the most difficult to deal with after dad passed was my sense of home was gone. Because I, you know, I'd made my home w- with my husband. And every, everywhere that, that Dudley was is where my dad, everywhere that dad was, that was mom's version of home. And so when dad was taken, home, that that piece of home that defined it for her, that comfort and that peace and that stability was gone. And she said, the only way that I was able to cope with getting through that situation where my sense of natural home was gone, that Dudley was gone, she says, the only way I was able to cope with it is I knew my home has to be in the Lord. And he will never be taken from us. And so like when, when, when you're facing a difficult situation, if your definition of home can be stolen from you, then you're on shaky ground. But if you know, man, my home is in the Lord and my, my sense of peace, my sense of comfort, my sense of belonging all comes from him, that can never be taken from you. And mom said that was the only way she was able to process all those emotions and all those feelings when dad passed away was I knew that I needed to make sure that my home was in the Lord. And that, that really, it, it worked for mom, and I think it's, it's worked if, if we would be honest in difficult situations in our lives. That is the thing that really gets us through that. And uh, we need to remember that the prize is the father. He told Abraham, I'm your shield and your great reward. The, the prize is the father. Where did Jesus say he was the only way to? Thank you. He didn't say, I'm the only way to heaven. Although he is the only way to heaven, what he said was important was, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. Heaven, heaven is wherever the Father is. So if you're in the Father, you are experiencing heaven. There's, there's something about that. But he said the prize, what we are after, the goal of our coming home is to be at one with the Father. That's what Jesus said was the true nature of the prize is when you know me, you get to know the Father. And you have the capacity to experience heaven in that moment because the Father is there. But knowing that we're at home with him, that's what we're really after. And so we need to think about how do we do that? How do we make our home in the Father? And uh, there, there may be a lot of different things that we do to accomplish that, spending time with him. And we were doing it this morning when we worship. We're making our home with the Father. We're expanding the place where his presence is. And I think the idea, this idea of home and family is a foundation to what God is building in the earth today. There's something about his presence with us and us being with each other, that that is the key to what he's after in the earth today. That's what he's building relationships. In fact, the church is the only thing that Jesus personally promised, I'm going to build this. 
Come on, please. We, we need to not get distracted by all these other things that are going on in the earth. And well, is that important? Should I keep my eye on that? What's, what's going on in this organization over here? The only thing that Jesus himself promised, I'm going to be personally involved in making sure this succeeds, is his church. He said, I'm going to build my church and I'm going to do it in such a way that even the gates of hell won't stand against it. So what we're doing in this room this morning, what we're doing living our lives together is pretty important because Jesus said, this is what I'm building in the earth today. And I think part of our response to that is we have to choose to let him build us together, to let him build us into being the church together. Make no mistake, we are the material that he's building with. In 1 Peter chapter 2, it says this, as you come to him, the living stone, isn't that a cool title for Jesus? How many of you have ever prayed a prayer and, and called Jesus the living stone? That's, that's a pretty cool thought right there. Dr. Livingstone, I presume. Uh, as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, everybody say me also. You also like living stones. Huh. Jesus, the capital S stone, the living stone, and he calls us living stones also. So he says, you also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Peter calls Jesus the living stone and he turns around and calls us living stones. I will tell you, we feel at home in the body of Christ, in the church. This ought to be a place where we most feel at home because that's where we were created to be. He He says, you are made out of the same building material as Jesus. He says, the living stone, who is the cornerstone, he's the one that the whole house is built on, but we are the ones that he's joining us together. There is material in you that makes it fit. It feels at home when it's connected to the material in me. And let me, I guess explicitly, I'll put it one other way. The Christ in me was made to be connected to the Christ in you. That's the building material that he's working with. And we are living stones that he's actually placing together in the body of Christ. He is building something in the earth today with us. And choosing to let him build us together creates an atmosphere of home that is attractive to other people. We were made to connect together in that way. I was thinking, I don't know how many Pink Floyd fans we have, but all in all, you're just another brick in the wall. Come on, that that really is true, but not in a bad way. Not in a sense of hopelessness or dividing people or keeping people out. But we are being built into a refuge for people to come and find hope, to come and find home, a place where they belong. That's what God is doing when he's building us together. And I thought, you, you can really, you could build a wall just by stacking bricks on top of each other. Maybe you ever did that when you were kids. You just found some stones or some bricks, you stacked them all up. How sturdy was it when you just stack stuff up on top of each other? Not so much, is it? Somebody can come and push it over. You're, you're trying to hide behind it, and your friend just comes and pushes it over on top of you. I mean, you know, to be sturdy, those bricks need something to hold them together. There, there's something, if you are a builder, if you're a brick mason, you know you put mortar between the bricks. It solidifies and holds those bricks together, and you can't knock that wall over. Well, I'll tell you this morning, the Holy Spirit is the mortar that holds us together. We, we, are the Holy, we are the bricks that he's putting together in the wall, but if we were just sitting next to each other, 
If there was no relationship, if the Holy Spirit wasn't there between us to unite us, we could be pushed over very easily. Come on, you see that in the world. I, I talk about, I joke about it all the time, but I talk about, hey, we're in this room, we're all different. We're black and white, we're Republicans, we're Democrats, we're all across the spectrum. Any way that you could divide us, we could be categorized. And Jesus unites us. You see places all over the world where it's like, okay, we, we got these people together to talk about race relations and Democrats and Republicans and all that. And the quickest little thing can come in and divide them. The wall gets pushed over because there's no glue holding it together. And when the Holy Spirit unites us to one another, what's supposed to happen is when those differences are pointed out, we don't separate, we don't run from each other, we figure out how to maintain that bond with each other. The bond of unity and what Jesus is building here in the church is more important than my individual agenda. We, a few years ago, we had to have some of the stones around the, the base of the building at the West End campus uh, repointed. How many of you know the phrase repointed? Uh, it means that over, over the years, the mortar and the grout between the stones had started to come out because of the elements. You know, the rain, the sun, all these, the wind blowing against them. The, the grout got hard, dry, it starts to flake out. If you're not careful, those stones will fall apart. So we had to have a brick mason come in, and he, he puts new mortar between the cracks and strengthens the wall again. And uh, we had to have that done at the West End, and I think sometimes we need to take stock of doing that in our lives. Over the years, the elements, the things that blow against us, the sun that beats on us, it causes those relationships that we have with each other, the Holy Spirit that's supposed to flow between us, it causes it to get brittle sometimes. And starts to erode. And in the natural, do you know that, that bricks in the natural are inanimate objects, right? I'm just making an analogy here. They, they are not, bricks are not responsible for checking on the, the mortar that's between each other. However, living stones are responsible for knowing what's happening in their place in the wall and the relationships that we have with each other. And there are times that we need to take stock of, man, how's my relationship with the person next to me doing? Is it, is it dry and brutal? Has it crumbled away over the years? And I need to let the Holy Spirit come and refresh our relationship. And maybe some of that may involve me going and apologizing to somebody. It may involve me trying to repair a relationship. I don't know what it is for you, but just take stock that sometimes we may need to do that to refresh that bond that's between us. And if we don't have any friends, we need to make some. Because... If, if you're a brick by yourself on the wall, you'll definitely get pushed over. You'll get, you'll get picked up and thrown through the window or something. But we need to be aware of what's going on around us in those relationships. Uh, so we need to work on our relationships because we were created to be built together in a home. And uh, God's home, here's a statement I want you to grab this morning. God's home is me, but God's home is also us. God's home is me, but God's home is us. And I think, in fact, if you want to get right down to it, I think the us he is building is far more glorious than the me he's saved to do it with. Even, even though the us is made up of a bunch of me's, man, I'm getting in the weeds here. I hope you're following me. The, the us is built of a whole bunch of me's, but the us is far more glorious than any of the individual me's. And, and I think we need to sometimes get that in our perspective is God really does love me. He saved me. He pulled me out of darkness, out of the pit where I was with, without hope. He saved me, but he saved me for the purpose of making me part of us. And sometimes I need to get that back in my head that, oh, sometimes the, the me part of it needs to get put down a little bit for the sake of the us part of it. 
That's a good word, Pastor Chris. Thank you very much. The, the us, we, we really each have a part. The, the me's are invaluable. God, God wants all the me's together, but he wants the me's together because he's building an us in the world. And the, and the us shows his glory to the world. That's how people see the body of Christ is when we are together in unity. We, we talk a lot about being the temple of the Holy Spirit. We said God changed his address to come live in people. Uh, 1 Corinthians 3.16 reminds us that. It says, don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and the spirit of God lives in you. If you study out that verse, when it says you in that verse, it is plural. He is addressing the entire church at Corinth. He's saying, you all together are the house that God is building to hold his spirit. There is something bigger than just us individually. God is building in us corporately. There's something glorious about it. And he, he goes on in that chapter, Paul, if you, if you go back and read that whole chapter, he goes on to tell them, it's a dangerous thing to tear apart what God is building. When he's building the church and he's fashioning us together, there are things that tear apart the us that God's trying to build. Well, what are those things, Pastor Chris? I'm glad you asked. The me that he saved still has some parts that don't look exactly like him yet. I I know positionally I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. He's sanctified me. He's called me holy. But the stuff that I still do doesn't always look like what he does. And any time that creeps back out, my own agenda, selfishness, complaining, backbiting, slandering, and gossiping about each other, those things actually tear apart the us that God is trying to build in this place. And Paul tells the church in Corinth, that's a very dangerous place to be when you're trying to tear apart what Jesus is building. All right, that's a great verse, Pastor Chris. Read us another one. Come on, when, when I elevate the me above the us, it never goes well. There, there is something about, I come, I come here, I, I lay down my agenda, I lay down my life for the people around me, I serve, I love, I do the things that sometimes I don't really want to do, but it's for the sake of what Jesus is building in the earth today. Uh, the, the other verse, in a couple chapters later in 1 Corinthians, Paul hit, hits that topic again, but he's very much more individual to them this time. In 1 Corinthians 6.19, he says, Or are you not conscious that your body is a house for the Holy Spirit which is in you and which has been given to you by God? You are not the owners of yourself. So it's, it's another verse where Paul is saying, you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. You're where God's Spirit lives. But this time... Instead of being you plural, it's you singular. He's specifically talking to each of the people in the church in Corinth, and he's saying, you, as an individual, God lives in you, and you have a responsibility to what he's wanting to do in your life. That, that chapter, when he, when he tells them, you are singular, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, Paul wrote that in the context of staying away from sexual immorality. He, he told the church in Corinth, hey, when you engage in that type of sin, you're uniting the body of Christ with something that it doesn't need to be united with. And what that speaks to me is it says there's a special dynamic. And when Paul's in that chapter talking about sexual sin, there's a special dynamic that when we do those things, when we attach ourselves to somebody else in an ungodly way, makes it very difficult for God to build us together and attach us where we need to be in the house of God. I don't, I don't know, I've, I've not thought through maybe all the ramifications of that, but that's what struck me this week. When we attach ourselves somewhere else, 
makes it harder to be attached where God wants us to be. Because I, I read that verse and I wondered, well, why is he single that one out? Why is it different? I don't know. There's a spiritual dynamic that Paul's telling the church in Corinth, when you engage in sexual immorality, it's making it hard for me to build you where you need to be built into the wall. So what's, what's the point of contrasting those two verses? There's, there's a plural you that God's building us together, and there's an individual you where God lives that he wants us to look more like him. And this is what I think. To, we need to truly yield to the individual work that Jesus wants to do in us as Lord of our lives. Come on, if, if, you, if you didn't read the fine print when you signed up, he wants to be Lord of your life. That means the boss. That means we turn the keys over to him. We, we say, whatever you want to do, I will do it. Whatever you want with my life. I think in the Western culture, we've lost that sense of total abandonment that Jesus, you get to say the last word on what I do with my life. And that's, that's the, the contrast of those verses. There is an aspect of God, I need to yield to your lordship to do and to be exactly who you want me to be in my life. And the more we do that as individuals, the stronger the us becomes. That's how those two verses are linked together. If, if we want new life to grow and to be a place that, that really, truly houses the presence of God, that people encounter Jesus when they walk in the door, it starts with us minding our own selves. And Paul's saying, don't you remember you were bought with a price? You're not your own. You belong to the Lord. And so in, in, in us, the, the challenge for us is the more I let him be at home in me, the more he is at home in us. And that's part of the responsibility we have. Come on, the, the world needs to know Jesus. Are we all in agreement on that? Do I have the right crowd in the room this morning? There, there is a hopeless dying world that needs to know him. They need to know the sense of home and, and the belonging and the family that we can experience together. And to present that to them well, it starts with me letting him make his home in me. And saying, Lord, my life is yours. Whatever you want to do here is fine by me. It's hard to give away what we haven't experienced ourselves. If, if I have not let him make his home in me, how can I possibly tell other people, it's a great deal to let Jesus make his home in you. All right. <laughs> on, on those happy notes. Isn't it awesome, though, that Jesus cares enough about us to even step on our toes sometimes? Like, like, it's not just fluffing us up and saying, hey, everything. Like, he really says, hey, let's grow up a little bit. Let's, let's be the people that he's called us to be together. Let's, let's lay down our individual stuff for the sake of what he's building here together corporately. So uh, an action point for you this week is, as we go from this place today and, and eat some popsicles and celebrate with each other and uh, do those things, the action point this week is I want us to each ask ourselves, where do I intentionally need to let him make himself at home in my life? What, what part of my life do I need to say, Lord, maybe, maybe there's some part of your life that you know, hey, he, I haven't made him very welcome there. Maybe it's your schedule. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's your relationships. I don't know what it may be. But this week, let's just ask God, where, where do you want to come and make yourself more at home in my life? Where, where is there an area that I just, Lord, I need your presence here. I need your way of doing things here in this area. And see what he speaks to you this week. And the more that we let him work that in us, the more he's made at home corporately. Let's go ahead and stand together. I really, uh, I really love Jesus, and I love you guys.
and, and I love what he's building here at New Life Fellowship. And, uh, and I want it to be a place where people come in and there's something that stirs in them that, man, I felt like I was in the middle of nowhere in life. But when I came to this place, I felt at home. I, I felt like I, be- I felt the presence of Jesus in this place. How does that work? That's what we're after in the world today. So let's pray. God, we come before you right now. And uh, Lord, if, if we've never thought about it in a long time or we've, we've never said it in a long time, Lord, we, we say today, you really are the Lord of our lives. And God, our lives are, are open books before you. They, whatever you want to do with us, we say yes, Lord. Just, just in advance, before you even speak to us this week or ask anything, we just say yes, Lord. And God, I ask that as we each ponder that, as we each look for ways that we can make you more at home in our individual lives, God, I thank you that you are doing something among us, that there is something corporately that you are growing and building in this place that is a light to the nations. It's, it's a, a benefit and a, a blessing to our communities. It's a lighthouse for the people that are walking in darkness to come and say, I need to know him. Lord, continue to build what you want to build in this place and continue to do it with us, your, your living stones that you are placing into the wall exactly where you want. God, I thank you for strengthening our, our relationships with one another, for repointing our bricks sometimes where, where we just need to lay down our lives for one another. Lord, continue to do that in this house. God, bless your people this week. As, as we go from this place, we thank you that your spirit lives in us that wherever we go, you are there with us. Lord, let that be seen by the people around us. Let that be seen by our friends and our families and our coworkers. Let them see you in our lives. Lord, bless us indeed. Let your goodness and your mercy be upon our lives. Let the things that we put our hands to prosper for the sake of your kingdom, Lord God, that the name of Jesus would be known in all the earth. We give you honor and glory this morning in Jesus' name.